I had this moment where I literally hugged myself and I didn't have a plan and I was comfortable. I didn't know what was coming next, but I was in my element. Look. And I want to find that again. Welcome back to Gamble's Green Room. I'm your host, Mike Gamble, bringing you the people you need to know with the stories you want to hear. Today, I'm joined by a young brother who is the future of Black dance. He comes from a varied Black social dance uh, from step. Stepping, not step as in uh, tap dance, but actual step coming from Master Juba. House, hip-hop, popping. Um, in the recent years, he's gotten into vernacular jazz, what some of you know as swinger Lindy Hop, which is the foundation for most of the dances that we do today, uh, yeah. both Black social and uh, pop culture. Yeah. And uh, he's trained with, he's a Frankie Manning ambassador. He's trained with some of the greats like uh, my mentor, Chester Whitmore, Norma, oh. uh, Norma Miller. Uh, even my friend Natasha Barnes, he knows, which is pretty dope for me. Um, I was actually introduced to him from a friend of mine who's a tap dancer who showed me a video and I was like, who is this dude? I want to talk to him. I'm talking about my new little bro, Mr. Tydrick Hill in the house. And What's not up? to be confused with Tydrick Hall, not the same person, Tydrick Hill. This dude's worth knowing. I was, uh, I was born before he was famous. So in my mind... He took his whole thing from me. Strange, strange. See, that's I told you we're, we're like one of the <laughs> loving this already. Uh, thanks for doing this, bro. Welcome, welcome to Gamble's Green Room. I was gonna say I'm glad to be here. That's all. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, thank you. I'm glad to have you here. I'm super excited for it. Um, I always like to start from the beginning, and then we go yeah. into where we are today, and just see what how we got there, and how everything fits together, and we just talk. Yeah, of course. So, um. So you're based right now in Columbus, Ohio. This is true. But you're not from there. You're from the South. Yeah. Texas boy. Oh, he's a tech. Where in Texas? Dallas. Dallas. Oh, he's a Dallas boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was growing up in Dallas like? Yeah, when I was younger, the stomping grounds of my family. When I was younger, we was uh we came out of I guess we moved around South Dallas quite a bit, but mainly like Pleasant Grove. Oak Cliff, if you know these areas, then yeah, that's where my family's from. That's where my mm-hmm. grandma stay. Uh, so, is your family so still yeah, there, man? My family is still based there. Yeah. Uh, well, Dallas is actually the greater Dallas area. The Metroplex is pretty large. It's like uh, several smaller cities, or more than several, almost a dozen, mm-hmm. put together on top of Dallas. So, my family is now pretty spread out. My immediate family is. My parents split up when I was in high school. So, uh, well, my father is really my stepfather, but he's my father. Mm-hmm. He lives a more east of Dallas now, I think. And then my mother still stays in, uh, where she stay in DeSoto. Okay. DeSoto, which is a smaller, I guess, city. It will be a city to some of these small, uh, some of these small towns or whatever. But mm-hmm. like, to me, it's just the neighborhood in Dallas. Okay. So yeah. with that, with that family dynamic... How'd you get into music and dance? It's interesting, man. I was actually just, so Easter was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was looking around for something to share. I've been, I've been trying to do this thing this month where 
I share something that I appreciate or that inspires me about jazz every single day. Whether it just be ideas that me and my friends have come up with or ways that I see that jazz is crucial to the culture, trademark, like in general today. Mm -hmm. And um, I was searching for something. I figured it was Easter. So is there a way for me to find a connection between jazz and gospel? Because gospel music is dope and jazz is dope. Uh, and I was thinking about like the musicianship of it and going back through some old videos, watching my family. Uh, cause we have a whole bunch of old stuff, real blurry, you know, real blurry videos on, on YouTube. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I was looking at it and it honestly put some warmth in my heart and it made me a little sad cause my family isn't like this today, but my best memories when it came to music and dance, it was something that brought my family together. Mm -hmm. And it was an area that like we expressed ourselves spiritually. So we would dance a lot in church. We've, that's usually the way that we found our way to express it. My mama was a, a minister in that way, liturgical. Mm -hmm. So she would just choreograph dances. Or when she found out that me and my brothers love music, me and my little brother, Decorian, love music, she would, she would get instruments in our hands. My dad loved to write and act. And he was real big on just like pushing us towards creative endeavors. So he was a very creative family. My best memories with my dad were him driving us around and uh, like he'd drive me and my brothers around and he'd play music mm -hmm. and then just tell a story to the music and like the plot of the story would rise and fall with the crescendo of the music, you know? And so I, I basically, I grew up with a deep appreciation for creativity, imagination and art because that's the, world, that's the realm that my parents lived. Mm -hmm. And with music and dance specifically, that's how we would, that's how we, I think some of my favorite memories of us where we were doing that together because it felt like, um, I don't know, there was just security and comfort in the fact that we all loved each other and we all loved this thing. It, it's it's kind of sad now. It's bittersweet because the structure of my family has changed a lot since my parents divorced. Mm -hmm. um, and not, I think, in a lot of ways, I mean, in some ways, definitely better, but there have definitely been challenges for each individual in my family, I'm the oldest of 10. Mm -hmm. So there have been challenges, I think, for all of my younger siblings as I've seen them grow and mature from little babies to uh, now several of them are adults. Uh, the, the middle bunch are moving towards high school, teenager. They're, they're more independent. And then my youngest siblings are still children. But it's, it's, it's been interesting because as people have aged, there have been different challenges and we don't normally express ourselves together in that way anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, two interesting things. One, uh, even for myself, that music has, any, especially from a child's learning it from a, ch uh, a youthful age, there's an emotional connection to songs. Like I can hear songs now from back when I was three, four years old and remember what I was feeling. Like I yeah. remember if I was sad or if I was actually crying or what happened when that song was playing. So there is an emotional attachment yeah. to music, which is also why um, a lot of uh, moms sing or hum when they're pregnant or play music as much as they can when they're pregnant because there is a vibration that happens with the child and that, that relates to music that way. Um, so I completely understand your family dynamic shifting once af after having that moment with your dad where the story mm -hmm. like that's that's just very specific memory for you that uh -huh. it's connected to that connected emotionality behind 
whatever song was playing, but your dad telling a story that uh, rose and fell with the music. Like that's, and you still have that connection with the way that you dance and choreograph because music, music, like me, music speaks to you. You can't put it to words, but you're not choreographing. You were just, you were just the vessel for the music to come out through, through your movement. So whether you know it or not, that deep rooted emotional connection is there from both the music that you listen to, plus your dad, plus the way that your family dynamic was built around that. So that's mm-hmm. very deep. And then also, uh, the second thing I was going to say was interesting enough because you are like one of the next generation torchbearers of vernacular jazz. The history from jazz actually comes from quote unquote gospel before it was gospel. It comes from the ring shout back right. then with the call and response. So that laid the right. foundation for tap which laid the foundation for lindy hop and swing like the whole thing is connected so um i'm also uh i'm not impressed but i also like to hear that without you knowing you made the connection through gospel through through jazz which is still part of you and your family that continues to come out so the the world works like everything there's patterns everywhere like everything is connected whether we know it or not Man, you know what's crazy? Like, I-, I was just thinking about how everything comes full circle. Mm-hmm. The fact that I was stepping when I was 12, we were in the mime instead, the modern. And then with YouTube and stuff, I got exposed to uh, pop and hip hop and all that and I- and breaking. And I was trying to to do all that when I was younger, too. But, you know, I didn't have nobody to really bring me up in that culture. So it didn't go super far. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because like I just had this moment of realizing that where I am now and where I was then, h- how connected it really is. The fact that uh and and it's like you said, it's really rooted in 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 the person that I've become. I'm really I'm I'm a, I'm very tapped into my emotions. I think I have a high emotional intelligence. I think I can say that pridefully, or no, without pride. I can say that factually. Uh, mm-hmm. that I have a high emotional intelligence, but I think it's because I grew up dancing around women mm. and I saw women expressing themselves through their bodies. And I had a very real felt experience moving my body and feeling my emotions when I was a child. And so now as a grown man, and that coupled with the fact that I had my nose in books whenever I wasn't moving with my family, I love to read. Now as an adult, I have a pretty decent vocabulary and I know myself and I'm very comfortable with the internals of who I am. You know, and that comes from these practices that are all actually rooted in the way that I'm trying to live my life now, you know, dancing and stepping and all of that has come back full force to me. Uh, and now this vernacular jazz and Lindy Hop thing that I'm carrying forward and, you know, trying to grab as many of these traditions uh, as I can and embody them. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy how that works, how life is just full circle like that, you know. Because uh, I couldn't have told you when I was 12 years old that this is where I would be. Mm-hmm. When I was 12 years old, I was too afraid to audition for dance teams and dance crews because I thought I sucked. Which, to be fair, I did. But like, <laughs> like, but like, uh, but now as an adult, like I really, adult me will be pushing little kid me to audition anyway. Because mm-hmm. I barely feel... I feel like I suck now and the things that I like and the things that people would say that I specialize in I, all I see are the ways that I can get better. So, 
You know what I mean? Like that never really goes away. And it's kind of funny. You just got to like, you just got to put yourself in uncomfortable situations and fake it till you make it. Bruh, that, like that's how you do it. That is the story of life. I am 44. I'm still performing and I'm still uncomfortable with my, I, I grew up singing. Like I grew up singing and dancing. And then my dance took over for a little bit. And then around 18, dance completely took over my life. And I didn't stop singing, but I stopped training and singing as much as it was training and dance. So right. for me, I'm still not comfortable with my voice, even though I still use it. But if you want me, like, I will never, not, I won't say never, but knock on wood, for the most part, I won't put myself in a position to present myself as a singer right. because I feel that I suck at it. But when people hear me sing, they're like, oh, dude, how long you been singing? I'm like, you don't know that I sing. They're like, you were just doing it. Like, literally, you were just, you don't, you go into that without realizing, like, you freestyle and you... I've, I've seen your videos. You just dance everywhere. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. It's, it's so, and the, the most important thing that you said just a moment ago was that you are confident. You have an emotional intelligence and you're confident mm. with that. Mm. In the, in the social structure of dance now, that's what's missing. I, I love the cleanliness of what people are doing choreographically speaking. But there's, turn off the music and you're like, what am I, what am I looking at? What is the emotional content to it? Where is the soul in it? And you have mm -hmm. to have that emotional context of why you're moving. Great. You have, you have lines of formations that you want to do. That's great. But why do you want to do them there? Why do you want right. to hit that sound? Not just for a picture. What is that? So for those who are visually impaired or audio, uh, audio, oratorily impaired if they're watching or listening to your rhythms that you're supposed to be making with the music can they understand it or do they have to see these patterns to do that and again that comes from being humble and being not comfortable with yourself because then you make yourself vulnerable and raw to everything that you're being again as i said the music speaks to you you're an open receptacle for whatever the music is making you feel and feel like moving like Right. Instead of right. dancing on the music, the music, the dancing, the dancing is the music. The mu the music is coming through you. In Max, the spirit moves you. I feel like, I feel like that's the intangible quality that in my classes, uh, I'd be trying to give people. Um, I dance with, a, I teach a lot of adults mm -hmm. who don't have a strong movement background. And I can teach you vocabulary. I can teach you foundation. And I will teach you that if that's what I see that you need. But I'm also trying to always get people to connect with themselves. And, and in the pursuit of that, people have started crying in my classes before. Like not because they can't do it, but because like they're, they're trying. Like they're connecting with it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But there's just a lot there that they've never really processed or felt before. I think that to really enjoy dance, like maybe that's the edge that uh, that black folks have when it comes to understanding movement and dance has less to do with like, oh, we're naturally more rhythmic or something like that, all the dumb stuff people say, but has more to do with like, it's more culturally acceptable to us, for us to connect like our emotions and our lived experience to, it's more, it's, it's more culturally familiar for us to then translate that into music, into dancing, because when we're children, that's what we see around us. 
I, I was going to add that in is that our culture is based in community. Hip hop itself was based off of social dance. Like it was, it was communicating through movement, expressing, yeah. expressing trauma, expressing anger, expressing love, whatever it was, even let's take even back, back to the fifties with, with, with all the social, like with all the record hops and stuff for, in the black community, it was about connecting. And that's why like hairspray is one of the best examples of it that mm -hmm. you have the non-black people doing dances that don't look the same as when the black people do it because there's a verbiage, there is a emotion, there is a story to be told. It's not just the steps. And that's what's happening today that even people who want to take dance class or you talk to a person that's like, oh, I can only dance if I've had drinks. I'm like, but you know, dancing and choreography are two different things. What you're referring to as dance is choreography. You have trouble learning dance steps together. If you can, if you can move to music when you've been drinking, you can move to music without it because now you're, you're not thinking about it. You're just riding it through. Stop right, trying right. to stop trying to allow yourself to be limited to, oh, I need to learn an eight count to know how to dance. Put on music yeah. for a two year old. And what do they do? Yeah. They bounce. Yeah, yeah. They bounce. They shake their butt and they laugh and they smile. That's dancing. You can't tell a two year old that they're not dancing. And no one says, Oh, that two year old needs to get more rhythm <laughs> in them. You're like, oh, look, the music is making them move because that's what it does. As adults, we start learning that we have to learn equations of stuff left foot blue right arm elbow left 32 right engineering degree to learn how to move your body right right it's it's so it's so interesting the to try to find that balance between i mean i've been thinking a lot about what it is that i want for me and I, i'm actually just now coming back into oh, what is my story mm. i was in seattle uh recently like a couple days ago i was in seattle and uh i got to hang out with the um, with the house community, the street dance community out there. It's mm -hmm. organized by the homie Orb. And uh, bro is dope. Got a great community out there. And it's like a b-boy house dancer, put it, put it all together. And I was at his house session and uh, like kind of asking him a question about uh, this fundamental step, the hurdle or whatever. And he was like, mm -hmm. oh, you're doing it. Like I see it right there just fine. And I'll be mad and secure about my steps because like house came to me uh by the way of like some some folks from New York that really about that life. Like my homie Raina and Tasha obviously really know. Uh they're like they embody that shit. Like they're they're that's really them. Yeah. Uh, and so I'll be feeling self-conscious. Cause they have it to a level of understanding that uh, you know, it's just gonna take me a long a while to get there. And so I'm asking him some questions to clarify. And he the only thing that he says, he's not telling me, you know, your jack needs to be strong or whatever. He's like, I see the step. You what's your story? Like, why? Why are you doing it? What's your story? And I was like, ooh, that's a damn good point. Yeah. What is my story? And and it's funny because house is one of those things, because I'm, I earnestly want to understand it, there is a point when I'm earnestly trying to figure something out for what it is, where I am focused more on the math of it. Not like I need that, but I, I have to, to learn that language. I've got to figure out the grammar, the punctuation. I need to develop a vocabulary. Uh, but if in the pursuit of that, you know, you lose the ability to talk about something mm -hmm. <laughs> worth saying, it's like, 
yeah, it's not worth it. So I don't know. That part was really interesting. And now it's got me rethinking everything about where I've been, what I've been thinking about. I've been trying to prepare for battles recently because I want to start battling a whole lot more in the next, mm-hmm. by the end of the year, I want to battle at least three times mm-hmm. and I want to try to battle specifically. I'm talking, go to a straight up, maybe open or all styles thing and then do, uh, just do jazz the whole time. Yeah. And see if my ear and like, I'm comfortable enough to take it and adapt it and make it, make it work, you know, see if I can make a top 16 or a top eight or something like that. Uh, so I have that goal and because of that goal, I've been really fighting to try to get my chops up and my, my, try, I've been fighting to try to expand my understanding of jazz to language, mm-hmm. uh, and why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing. And I think that I've moved away from feeling it and telling the story, which is ironic, but I think my focus for these past couple of months has been so deep on like, I want to learn new things. I need to come up with new things. I need to create move, new pathways of movement for myself that I stopped thinking about why I would even be doing that in the first place. And mm-hmm. something like a story can take a basic step and turn it into a concept entirely. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like when you have, a, when you have a story to tell a feeling, you got something on your shoulder, like, yeah, it's just, it's funny how that works. So, and you know, that's, 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 it's funny that we're talking about this. Cause I'm just saying that this is exactly where I've been at. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I'm currently in Sweden. Uh, I've lived in Sweden for four, almost 14 years now. I teach a bunch of different performing arts schools. And that's one of the things I try. If any of my students are listening or my former students are listening, this is what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> that it's, again, if, even if you're in a class, there's always still something you can personalize it with to add in that level. Because as Tydra just said, Having a story to tell, and it doesn't have to, you don't have to create a story. It's just an experience. Uh, allowing yourself to move from an experience gives you another dynamic to movement. And a lot of mm. times that's the missing part for someone to take themselves to the next level is that it's not the personalization of it, but it's the freedom of feeling through it mm. that the. What a, a, a sequence I normally do with my students if they're not quote unquote getting it is I have them stand still, close their eyes and listen to the music and visualize themselves doing it so that they can try and connect the movement to the music. Because as I choreograph, I'm not I'm not lyrical, but I play with the lyrics. I play with all the different instrumentations. I play with the different beats. So for them to try and connect where I'm moving in the music so that they can feel that and then create the story for themselves. Or when teaching a sequence, like <laughs> I have this one where I try and get them to push down and turn. And I'm like, does anybody have a uh, a little cousin, little brother, sister, pet, something like, yeah, I'm like, push them in the pool. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but when they do it, they feel the resistance of trying to push something away from them. And like, oh, wow. I'm like, listen, I don't know why that works. Please don't go home and start pushing people in the pool, but it's a reference. But if you can connect a movement to something that you understand, it gives you a whole nother level. Or if I try and teach them how to do a body roll, <laughs> yeah, I teach them, put the hands behind the back, dip the paint, paint the wall and reset so that they learn how to, re- to cycle the hips. I can't tell you how many times from kids to adults that they go, oh, and it clicks for them 
and they come back like, wait, how did we paint the wall again? And and, yeah. and it, it's sequenced. But if you can reference that, it gives you so much more of a deeper connection to what you're doing with your body than just relying on the steps. So even for what you were just saying now, Ty, the, you're focused on going for the battle. You're, you have a level up that most other people don't have because, as we already said, vernacular jazz, authentic jazz is the foundation for almost every uh, non-codified social dance in Black culture right now. Mm-hmm. So you have the base understanding. And the only thing we do is we take the rhythms and switch them around. And we put a story to them. And that's when you level up. I would agree. No, I, yeah, facts. That's, that's, that's literally it. I was, and I, I've been thinking a lot too, like in the Lindy Hop world, you know, like, uh, I had, I had this criticism that when I was coming up, like I'm still coming up, but like mm-hmm. when I was younger, uh, there was, uh, not a lot of heart in what I was looking at. And then I began to, when I started to establish like, okay, there's my favorite dancer. That's my favorite dancer's favorite dancer. This is who they look at. And I started looking at the history. I was like, wait a minute. But y'all ain't always danced like that. Even within your journey, there are things that you've done. Like I can go back and look at this video from 2006 at this competition and you was sick. So what happened? What changed? (laughs) And uh, I realized that it's not that it changed. It's that the, yeah, what is the story? And, and the more that I've grown familiar with jazz, Mm -hmm. the more that I, I can tell what people's values are based on how they dance. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me up until now, when I first started dancing, like, so the partner dance situation, I felt the music in my body. And so my priority was expressing that in my body. God be damned, whatever my partner's doing. I'm going to feel that the way I feel it, you know? <laughs> and I lost the value of connecting with my partner. Mm-hmm. I lost that thing that's reflected in jazz of, you know, brilliance coming together extemporaneously, just like on the fly. You got to work with each other and you got to figure out how to, how to like both talk and have a good conversation. Mm-hmm. And then as I moved on a little bit more, it was like, okay, I want to connect with my partner, but it's only because I want to be able to, I want the appearance of good conversation. So I wanted to be able to do cool things. I wanted cool tricks, spins, and whatever. And now it's like, I, you know, I had several phases of my journey. I felt pretty prideful for a while. And I went to Sweden, ironically, and felt pretty humbled being out there. Because a bunch of Europeans, like, and I didn't have a great experience. I didn't have a terrible experience. It wasn't amazing. I went to this dance camp called Terrain. I'm uh-huh. in Sweden to running yeah. for years and years and years and years. Frankie Manning was here. Uh, he was, like, didn't start it, but he was one of the first people to come over to get Lindy Hop over into Sweden. Facts, 100%. And it was this Swedish woman who looked at my dancing uh, and was like, you know, I think you could be really good, but I don't, I don't, I feel like uh, you're not a great Lindy Hopper yet. Like, you don't see like what Lindy Hop really is. And I felt offended at first because I was like, who are you? <laughs> As like a European white lady telling me, a young black person, about what my culture is about, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I took a moment and uh, that was like my gut response. And as I sat on it for a couple more hours, I began to think, well, how much do I really know about jazz? Like, I don't want to be somebody who has hip hop sensibilities that can kind of put the jazz clothes on. I want to understand it for what it is. 
And can I honestly say that I know as much as they do? I'm watching these European, I'm watching them dance and they have the aesthetic of these vintage videos, which to me signals that they've seen and they've been in that world enough that they're trying to embody it, right? Mm -hmm. I haven't done that. Regardless of if I think that's authentic or real or not, I haven't done that. I haven't even begun with the with the with the first step of understanding or immersing myself in what jazz is, and that's where it began. I think that's where I really started growing as a dancer. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Fuck it, I need to really understand like where this comes from." And now all I want to do now, where I'm at my dancing, is I want to tell a good story. I want to be comfortable to my partner, and I think that I have enough in me that the goal is to like be comfortable or be confident in that and to then calmly meet another voice and see what happens when we fuse mm-hmm. together. And to me, like I, I can be a good dance partner, for example, in Lenny Hop, if uh, I can take my brilliance and then try to use it to platform somebody else and then like ad lib mm-hmm. like crazy, you know? And that's kind of the world that I've been living in. And that's, that's the story that I want to tell my partner dancing is like, I want the next me in 20 years to be watching it closely. Like, I don't want the person who's watching me and has no familiarity with Lindy Hop be like, oh, that guy's dope. I want the person who's like really understands Lindy Hop to like look at me and be like, oh, I see what he's doing. I see where his mind is at. Mm-hmm. Cause I've been having that connection recently with other dancers that I looked down on when I first started. I'm like, it's not that you were boring. You were just several steps ahead in the story you wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it totally different, you know? that's a that's a very mature realization to have that's that's beautiful to to be able to recognize that your expectation of other people was beyond what your expectation was you know what i mean like yeah kudos to you bro i wanted to ask so yeah what where what's your dance background fully like what's your story (laughs) Um, uh, let's see. I grew up, my brother was a house dancer and a voguer from, uh, in New York. So I started with housing and voguing and my cousins, uh, my sister and my cousins were breakers and just social, social dancers. And then, Mm. uh, dance hall was huge for me as a kid, um, part Jamaican. So, uh, grew up with reggae. So, uh, I grew up doing hip hop. uh, Let's see. Hip hop, breaking, house, voguing. Then, as I was going through middle school and high school, we had a huge musical theater department. So I got into musical theater jazz that way. Uh-huh. When I got to college, university, I was a dance minor, which was a modern based program. So I got into Horton Lamone and uh, Graham Technique. And then I was always, and then, uh, oh, and I started with traditional West African dancing as a kid as well. So I had, like, it just comes from everywhere. And then I just, dance just became my vocabulary. So now it's uh, West African modern, which is Horton Graham, Dunham, hip-hop, breaking, locking, jazz, house, Haitian, Cuban, Caribbean, salsa, samba, high heels, whacking, burlesque, and voguing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and like Monsell, Monsell is one of my big bros. He was one of my mentors, both 
in knowledge wise and dance um mm. right Paris, my friends uh, in philly so uh i got a lot of my dance background in philly of course um, that's awesome man nicholas brothers came out of philly well they yeah, came out of a lot of places but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah it's just like you i i've just taken in everything i possibly can through the people that i have act that i've had and have access to so that i can and not just touch on the surface i really want to get into it like i want to not just not just be a dancer because now i'm an educator i my first and foremost i'm an educating choreographer that's what i do but i still perform but everybody thinks i'm a dancer performer first i'm like no I educate now and I want to make sure that when I educate, I can give full on authentic information about as much possible that I can so that my students, no matter if they're uh, like beginners or quote unquote basic dancers, as opposed to like studying be professional dancers, that you're all going to have the knowledge that you need to understand how to dance, not just do steps, but where this information comes from and why is processing your body that way why you listen to music a certain way why rhythms come from that way why rhythms sound the same how rock music developed from uh rock and roll which developed from blues which developed from jazz which developed from uh tiger rag like there's so much so i've really over the last couple years also gotten into really teaching the history of jazz and why it's called jazz. right yeah yeah damn that's dope that's amazing. That's living embodiment right there. Yeah. I feel that I, I want more of that. I get insecure, especially, so, yeah, I, I lived in a world where, I think a lot of people live in a world where it's either or with street dance or, like, modern and stuff. And and the really interesting thing about that is that, uh, like, Catherine Dunham was, was, like, huge and instrumental when it came to jazz. This whole movement in the, in the, in the 1910s, you had all these veterans coming home after the Great War and like we all, we always focus on like the WB Du Bois and uh, the mm-hmm. James Walden Johnsons that are saying like they're the ones who put out the call to get Negro artists to come to to Harlem, you know, and that's where the Harlem Renaissance began. Mm-hmm. But like the Harlem Renaissance, and in its spirit was you know people trying to build a a, a black high culture, mm-hmm. and their idea was we want to have dignity in what we do every day, like our folk art is good enough to be high culture. Now it's diluted because they were trying to put on white sensibilities. So stuff that today we'd be like, nah, we don't need to do all that. They were trying to do all that because they were just, I guess we have the benefit of hundreds of years of experiences or a hundred years of experiences since then Mm -hmm. to refine our approach. But Dunham was right there. Dunham was right there in the, in the mix uh, as a, as an anthropologist, as an ethnochoreologist, somebody who's like taking folk art, and then giving it that flair. And so I think it's interesting because before I understood that, I, I would think of modern as like, oh, that's, you know, within the realm of white folks land because it's mm-hmm. on the stage, you know, and then, you know, over here is but Pearl Primus and, and Primus and mm-hmm. Donna were, were black women who were uh, amazing, like hugely and ch- influenced. Changed the game. And, 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 and the nature of their art was, the nature of it was still my approach. Mm-hmm. The nature of it was still about taking that folk art and saying, this is good enough and this deserves respect and study. And now that I know that, it's like, what is my excuse then? 
you know, I, I, I can I can help you with that and say that there are a number of times where I'm still insecure about what I'm teaching as well, especially because of the greats that have educated me. Uh, how can I say it? The knowing what level they're on and then not that I'm trying to be there, but they're bringing me along with them. And I'm like, no, hold yeah. on. I learned from you. Why are you asking me stuff now? They're like, because you know the shit and I don't. Like, well, but you talk. And they're like, no, 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 no. So there, as a creative, there will always be a certain level of insecurity, but that's what inspires us to do better and to delve more into our trade. Mm. Don't, uh, I hate saying the word don't because that's a command. What I normally try and say is try not to because it's easier to get your mind around that. But try not to let that fear limit you Try to let it uh, inspire you to grow more into your self, not your self-consciousness, but your self-consciousness, if yeah. that makes sense, as well yeah. as your path into growing as an mm. artist, not just as a dancer, mm. but as a person, yeah. because your artistry comes from your person yeah, and your history and your experiences. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That's, that's, yeah. Self-consciousness. Mm-hmm. The flow state. Man, yeah. I tell you what, like the being confident in yourself thing is something that I'm still, another reason why I've been real big on competitions is like, I want to be, so, I want to be able to, I can stand proud on who I am when I'm socially dancing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that for the most part, most, of the dancing that I've done in front of people and even some of the social dancing that I've done has been, uh, it's felt like a performance that was away from who I was. Like you get so caught up in the, in the, uh, Oh, actually I'll say save for the jazz continuum on some nights. Like there are nights because that community, the work only works when we are being authentic. Mm-hmm. And when you're surrounded by great artists who are really reaching into who they are, the only thing to do is to try to reach into you, who you are, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the jazz continuum is experience with me learning and how to, how to embrace myself and like present that well. Um, and it's been a process because definitely when I started, I was insecure. Like, why am I here, bro? I am not as good as these niggas, right? Um, been there. <laughs> been there. And you then know- Tasha makes me do push-ups every single time I say that I can't. So, <laughs> I mean, that's real shit. She yeah. loves me though, so. I'm 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 grateful to her for slapping insisting on me. And like mm-hmm. you're insulting me if you say that you suck because I chose you to be in this space and I'm not I'm not dumb. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, uh, anyways, I I I've been working on it and I'm in, I'm I'm interested to put myself in this position more, not because I want the spotlight, but because I I really want to have a chance to put something out there that is reflective of what I really feel about. It, and that is reflective of like my journey and why it is that I'm doing this, you know, mm-hmm. and also what it is that I know, right. you know, I want both. Mm-hmm. I'm eager to have an opportunity to, to put both out there. I, and maybe part of me feels that if I do that, well, I can stand 10 toes down on, uh, I, I have a reason to be more confident in myself. If I could get mm-hmm. like one thing out there, I can say, this is what I do, you know? Right. Now, um, uh, uh, so three different. 
One, one quick, not, it's not even a quick question, but one question that doesn't need to be answered. It's a rhetorical question is in your, in your quest to have both of those things, are you doing it to be substantiated from the outside of having your knowledge or are you doing it to substantiate yourself and having the knowledge? It's not a question that, that you need to answer me now, but think about that. Are you looking for mm-hmm. the, uh, account, the accolades from other people that you've gotten to a certain point with your education and your artistry, or is it for yourself mm-hmm. to feel more confident within to be able to get to that point? Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. And then, uh, what I wanted to ask was, cause you mentioned that, uh, being in Dallas, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for you to learn these styles, like the hip hop and breaking and stuff. Yeah. How, yeah. what, what were the limitations and how did you overcome those? Or like, how did you approach into learning as much as you could? I, um, the internet, mm. it was the internet. So the same way that like, there are certain dance communities where you're like, you know, you meet people and they're like, yeah, man, I was just learning from all the videos. You know, I will get a tape. The battle will come out. Mm-hmm. Somebody would have a tape. You meet somebody at a dance convention. They'd lend you the tape. Mm-hmm. You homies will wash the tape over and over and over again. And you, it was like that for us. So I remember before we, I mean, the thing that kind of happened as a slight pre- prerequisite before we started dancing in church and in our living room so much is that we had this DVD and it was Michael Jackson's greatest hits. Mm-hmm. And it was just all of his music videos, you know, Remember the Time, Thriller, Beat It, all these things. And my brothers and I would be like dancing. And obviously you can't look at Michael Jackson as a little kid and not try not, to dance with him. Like it just, right. it's just not going to happen, you know? And so it was like, for me, that was reflective of how I picked up most of my knowledge was by looking mm-hmm. and learning. And so instead of having tapes, when I was 12 and 13 and I was watching Step Up and like really inspired by breaking and stuff, well, then I would go and I would YouTube tutorials. Um, and so, you know, obviously when you're 12 years old, you want to do power moves. But the beautiful mm-hmm. thing about power moves is that like anyone who has common sense is going like give you a foundational thing to work on before you do the power moves. And so I was working on my sixth step and my 12th step and uh, like working on basic freezes and stuff in my living room. I remember for hours and hours and hours Basically, until my wrists couldn't take it anymore, mm-hmm. I was just like shifting my weight on the one elbow to the other elbow. There was a whole period when I was 13 and 14 where I would turtle freeze on any and everything that I possibly could <laughs> just to work on having that balance. Yeah. I, I'm like, I have a video, uh, or if you on my first Facebook profile uh, picture or cover photo, it's this really blurry photo of me on top of this like really tall statue. Like, I got on top of this statue that's like 12 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And I was like trying to perch on it, you know, with the turtle freeze. And I, I was doing it, but so I picked up some basics there. My family and I would watch So You Can, you Can Dance. And so I developed uh, some favorites from that that I would watch. And when I was coming up, man, Dragon House was the was the thing everybody was watching, like popular media wise. Mm-hmm. The pumped up kicks video that Nasab did. I don't know if you remember that, mm-hmm. where he's like gliding on concrete, but like, so that was, that animation tip was everything I was trying to be. So it was, you know, the guys, it was guys like Twitch and, and, uh, and like other dancers from TV that I saw, I would go on YouTube and try to like, look at more about them, try to look at their ideas and copy it. And that's really the way that I learned was by trying to steal that stuff when Mm -hmm. the hip hop era. Now there was more happening when I was a kid. My mom was taking us out to do capoeira. 
mm-hmm. at the local community center. So I was participating and getting some tutelage and, 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 and body awareness through that. And my mother was still choreographing. I say the thing that I wish that I had, though, I wish that I had access to genuine spaces where the culture was happening. Because a lot of my interaction in high school was me just looking at the uh, looking at these videos and trying to learn what I could then. But I was also trying to learn. I was also practicing piano then, really mm-hmm. into music. I was writing poetry and I was balancing school with all of that. And, you know, the rigors of being the oldest of seven at this point with uh, two parents that were, you know, teenage parents. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a ton of uh, space to really give to... Uh, I don't want to say not a ton of, but like it wasn't my whole life. I was doing it and I loved it and it was a part of me. But there was a whole bunch of other stuff in the room too that I had to pay attention to. And we were broke. So we couldn't pay to get me in no dance studio. My little sister went to a dance studio, but that was like ballet. Mm. Uh, and ballet wasn't what I wanted to do. I knew that when I was in high school. I took <laughs> one uh, semester or one, yeah, I, I took one semester of it at our local Dallas Black. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, realized that I didn't want to do it because the teacher was like, I got a duck booty, you know, like I got a naturally round butt. I got it from my mama. And like, I can't, I can't help it. It is what it is. And, uh, I remember them telling me to tuck my pelvis in to a point and like, I was activating my glutes so much that the internal joints in my hips started to ache in a way that I felt like my brain just knew like, that doesn't seem like that's good. That like genuinely hurts. Yeah. Like, I'm walking with pain now. And you're telling me that my butt is still too big and that like, it's a matter of talking it enough. And so it just didn't seem like conducive for me. It was like, this is like, you want to, you want me to hurt myself to fit your standards. And at that time I knew a lot of classical dancers and modern dancers that were like, I need to break my feet to get a perfect point and stuff. I had homegirls talking about that. And I was like, I don't want to do all that. That's that's doing too damn much in my opinion. Right. <laughs> to fit to fit another aesthetic that's again not yours. Right. Right. There's that level to it. But yeah, man, it was money. I think it was really money. And uh I think that my mom just didn't know where the resources were to really get us tapped in. Mm-hmm. They just kind of saw me and my brothers trying stuff and encouraged it. Uh, but I didn't really start getting, I didn't have respect for lineage or any of that or having a good approach to learning dance until I started jazz. It was in 2017. I was, I danced enough and I was familiar enough with my own body. And, you know, obviously I grew up socially dancing with my homies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got, I was still a pretty good, I'm a better dancer than the average person, but like the average dancer, at that time, maybe I wasn't there. Mm. Uh, so jazz really, it, it exploded me forward because as I started learning more about jazz, everything else began to connect. House is connecting, I think, pretty pretty decently. I'm not like great, obviously. I still have a lot to learn, but I think I can, I think it's a space that I can still, I can take on the vocabulary and immediately start work on embodying it mm-hmm. because um, because the the steps are so similar to, to, to jazz. And yeah. I've spent so long, long in that realm. And so it was interesting, man. I, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> How did I've you- been traveling and doing everything I can though, to learn from people. I take classes and workshops from, you know, slim mm-hmm. from Pav and P like I go out of my way now, especially cause I get to travel as a part of my work to mm-hmm. like learn from as many people as I can. 
and I really like the skill set that I've the soft skill set that I've developed from the way that I learned dancing is that I can watch and quickly assess more than just like left, right, left, right, left, right. I'm seeing like, okay, I see how like the back of the shoulders helps activate the torso when he pops. Like I never thought about my shoulders when I pop. And when I put that in my body and I look at it, I'm like, that's a little bit closer to like, uh, that's a little bit closer, you know, mm-hmm. or like, huh, I can see that he moves with a really smooth quality. When I'm on, when I'm transitioning from the ground to the floor, how smooth is that? Okay, that's something I need to work on. You know, like yeah. that's that's the skill set that I think I've developed that helps me. And so now that I'm traveling so much, that's what I'd be doing is just nice. trying to watch people and softly grab it. <laughs> how did you get into? How did you stumble into jazz as your? You say you found it in 2017. How? What was the? What was the open door? Ha! It was a girl, bro. <laughs> it was a lady. I was taking this girl on dates, which is crazy because I thought I was, you know, she was a dope person. Obviously, she was cute. I had a fun. We had a fun date, which is why I kept on going on dates with her. But I asked her on the first date because I felt socially pressured to. But then we like crashed this wedding on our first date, and I thought I thought she was mad dope for for that. So I was like, okay, cool. We'll go on a second one. And during our first date, she had mentioned that she liked swing dancing. So I went and tried to find local swing dancing, you know, to surprise her, show her that I listen. And um, there was a live band, the Rick Brunetto big band that night. And we took a class beforehand, you know, because I'm comfortable with moving my body. I get the little six step, the little, you know, count in. Mm-hmm. And then I go for it. I just started social dancing. With Lindy Hop and Jazz, I also didn't take classes. I was just, I lived on the social floor. Mm. That's it. And it was like, I would watch people and then I would learn <laughs> and I would watch people and then I would try it. And it's been a process. At first, the people that I were watching were the other dancers in the room. And then when I realized that I had gotten to about their level, I started trying to look for people that were better. And then mm-hmm. when I realized they were way too high for me to understand, I started trying to look for people in between. And then when I realized that <laughs> I was like, let's go, let's go and travel and learn from someone. And then I started getting constructive information at these workshop festivals that i would go to every couple months mm-hmm. you know you go to a festival you get like 12 hours of classes from a master and then you go home and you try to live on that and right. chew on that and the next one and that's that's the way that i learned it okay let's back up real quick because you slid something in that sent in that story real quick y'all crashed the wedding yeah 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 it was great man oh man this girl was dope i i gotta say she, she was really cool did either we one of like you? Leave? Did either huh? one of you know the person? Did you literally cra- you you literally crashed her wedding? Crashed ah, the ah, damn thing. Ah, 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 Yo, the story is what. So we were we were leaving where our date was, right? And it was a fun day. We you know uh, we we had a putt putt, mm-hmm. and then we went and got ice cream. We was walking around a really pretty park, and as we're leaving the park, there's a building about four stories tall, and in the top building. We just see music and flash. We hear music, obviously, you know. Oops, oops, oops. Yeah. And then you see flashing lights to the windows. And I'm like, that looks, what's going on up there? And we see some well-dressed people leaving the building. And we're like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, somebody got married. And we're kind of walking. And I'm kind of looking at the window. She's to my right. I'm looking over. And I see that she's kind of looking at me and looking at the window. And I think we kind of both understood what we wanted to do. I was like, you want to, uh, you want to try this? She was like, Yeah. And so we went and we found an elevator. We went up to the top floor and we went all the way in 
all the way around. So like I walked down this hallway of uh, servers and then took a left. There's like tables everywhere and I hopped right into a dance circle, bro. <laughs> I hopped right in front of everybody and started getting my groove on. People started cheering me on. And then uh, we went and we took champagne. We got cake. And then we walked out. We signed the, the book. And as we were leaving, the bride was like coming this way. Like she was like walking towards us. Like the, the elevator's right there. And there was a slight moment of I think she saw us and was like, who the hell are you? And we just kind of smiled and kept the booking. But yeah, we got in there. We danced on the dance floor in front of everybody. We got food. We got drinks. We signed the book and we got out. It was crazy. <laughs> You only live once. Best, best, honestly, one of the best first dates I've ever been on. She was dope. She was dope. It didn't work out really between us. Uh, she was fun, but I just don't think we really connected like that. You know? It's okay. But you but, had fun. Uh, but, and you crashed the wedding. Yeah, bro. I ain't got nothing bad to say about that girl. She was cool. <laughs> okay. Let's read. <laughs> I'm, I'm also laughing because this sounds like something I would do. Um, yeah. So going back to where I left you with the retort question uh, about thinking about where your insecurity comes from and with uh, looking for the building yourself for the confidence, is it for external uh, accolades or internal? Mm -hmm. A couple layers, and I'm going to add on another layer. I'm going to add another layer to it for you with another question that you don't have to answer, but think about. Okay. You learned a lot of, you learned a lot of, uh, a, a lot of your dance, a lot of your dancing from an external point. You learned by watching. You didn't have someone to guide you through as a lot of people had. Uh, again, you didn't have the, you didn't have the studio quote unquote access to learning foundational stuff. You, you learned by videos. And then as you're going into and developing, uh, you're trying stuff, and then even with jazz, when you when you uh, stumbled into jazz, same thing. You saw, you emulated, you saw again. You emulated on another level, came back. Is there the possibility that because you feel that you weren't not taught, but guided personally? As in, not on a one-to-one, -one, but in a case where there's a teacher instructing that that subconsciously gives you the insecurity of being confident in where you are in your... <laughs> Why'd you look away from me, bro? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I'm just putting the glasses on so you cannot look at me in my eyeballs. I have an obstruction between you and my soul right here. Um, <laughs> But it's 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 that that's also what I do. I I hear I connect things. But that but that's one of those, um, yeah. again from experience because I can also say this from personal experience that I was there as well. That you know, uh, with with breaking when I was in L.A., I uh, I learned from Jules. Uh, my cousins are like part of Skill Methods. Uh, I was I was training with them. I started assisting them, and then. Both Jules and Venom got sick. It was Jules's class. She got sick, and she's like, "Yo, can you sub the class for me?" And I was like, 
uh, he's like, can, I'm sick. Can you sub the class? I'm like, why me? There are like 40 other breakers in the area that we know. She's like, but you're a good teacher and you know, the students and you know, like, so for wait, why me? And that still to that, to this day, I still question why me? Yeah. Yeah. So there's that level of not trusting your own growth because you haven't had the opportunity, even though I, even though I had the tutelage, it was still, I, I took it from the student perspective. I was just a student and I was there to have fun, even though I was a sister, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. Uh, (laughs) But that's one of the things, again, think about how far you come in these six years, almost six years Mm. in your jazz of, and again, I've, I was introduced to you from your Instagram account from my friend, uh, Gustav, who's my former student. And I've watched some of your videos where you connect the old to the new. You use a lot of your social, your current vernacular steps and social black Mm. dances and connect them to the roots of it. Mm. And you use it with different music. You've, I've seen your, some of your house dancing and you connect some of the jazz steps in it. You have the knowledge. You have the the roots, as Monsell would say, of it. It's just you now believing in yourself that you're actually there. Sort of like Latasha, like Jules and Venom were my Latasha. Like, dude, if don't don't say you don't know what you're doing because you make me look bad because you're with me. Yeah, you're there, bro. You're you're traveling. You're traveling and teaching again. I know as a creative, as a as a creative person, there's always a self doubt, which is why creative artistic people are always self loathing. <laughs> we create yeah. the best when we're slightly depressed because we're like, I need to go in the studio and I need to jam out. Ooh, that was some good shit. I wish I had a video of it. But that's the thing. Allow yourself that uh, freedom of growth. That that insecurity, mm. again, as I said before, that fear, try not to let it hinder you. Try to try to allow it to help you push yourself to another level as well. That you that mm. you that you don't contain yourself, uh withdraw yourself from allowing yourself to reach your full, full potential because you don't realize that you're on that path yourself. Yeah. I hear you, man. I I I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And this is also this is also me talking to myself. This is also me talking to myself. So, of course, I mean, there are people in the Lindy Hop community specifically that because I mean, I know that there are maybe and I I'm trying I'm not prideful when I say this. When it comes mm-hmm. to solo movement, like dancing without a partner, there are very few people in the Lindy Hop world that can see me. Tasha can see me. And there are a couple of cats out in Europe, you know, that mm. really love jazz that I think, you know, we could have a really fun conversation, but there are very few people that I, that like, I think I'd have an answer for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but with, uh, with partner dancing, I feel that like there are people that really have sat with it and have an ability to connect with their partners in such a way, regardless, uh, at such a fine degree that. I'm like, I'm always chasing. It's like mad elusive. Mm. And and I think that anyone that's good, that has an eye, can see. Maybe in my case, there's a lot of talent. 
but it's unrefined, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I'm always self-conscious of that unrefinement because a lot of the people that are like, that I'm coming up forwards that are already there see like, when I was at that point in the ladder, but with I being them, when they were at that point in the ladder, they had put in a lot more work, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's a part of it where it's like the community has really got around me to support and embrace me. Uh, and I think there is a bit of it that it's like, I do want some external validation, not necessarily from the everyday dancer, but from the people that I would love to be peers with, because I see that they love it the way that I love it. Mm-hmm. But they also just have hours clocked in, you know, that I don't. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm pursuing that constantly. I, I can't tell you how much I practice. I think I, I train more than uh, than a lot of people do. If not, Lindy Opt to Jazz. Like mm-hmm. I'd be, in, you know, I'd be in the studio. There's a dance place right around the corner from me now. So I put in hours and hours and hours and hours at a time. And if you follow me on Instagram, maybe it looks to, it looks like I'd just be making cute little videos for the gram, which I do sometimes. But uh, yeah, that's one thing that I'm, I've learned to put some some uh, some confidence in is that I love this. I genuinely love it. Mm-hmm. I love what I'm doing. And I want to understand it more than I want to be recognized for being good. And so if I continue to pursue that, then as people hand me these opportunities, I have to lead with that love. In reality, the refinement part, I'm still working on that. And that's Mm -hmm. fine, maybe because that paints to a student like that's not an unattainable goal. I don't want people to mystify me or put me on a pedestal either because I think that's bad for community. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's been my superpower, I think. In, in classes are one of the reasons why I feel comfortable in front of a classroom more comfortable than I do in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. It's because I've grown comfortable with myself enough to say like, okay, I'm confident in what I know and what I understand. I can teach people about my culture. I can help them understand their bodies mm-hmm. and I can help them connect this dance to their lives. But am I like a shiny product that can just like hop on a stage and just be that nigga? Not yet in my mind. Mm-hmm. But that's my goal is to get there. I don't know if that's good or bad. What do you think? Like, I do want their respect, but is that necessarily a bad thing? It depends on how far you want it to be taken. That is, is it again to gain their respect? Is it for you to feel better about yourself as a dancer or is it to, let me, let me see. Are you comparing yourself to their, as you said, some people have more time in than you do. So that, mm-hmm. that respect that you're trying to garner from them, is it because you're comparing yourself with between that gap of time? Or are you trying to gain that respect because, excuse me, <clears throat> or are you trying to gain that respect to substantiate Oh, see, that's, that's a tricky one. It's, it really depends on your con, your conscious part of where you're trying to go with it, why you want that respect, how you want to become again is being that, being that golden pedestal, uh, person in class. Is that your goal? And what does that get you by re- uh, attaining that level versus everything else you've done in between there? Like taking on the next level, you want to start battling to get that more, uh, 
internal confidence on in being and connecting everything with you, like taking your vocabulary and putting it into something in a different context. Mm. You're yeah. doing that for you, not for other people. So with your with your jazz, are you doing this amount of training for you or for other people? You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. The training that, for me is definitely coming for for me. I mean, I, I put in work because I love it, you know, and I'm passionate about, like, I want people to love it the way that I love it. And I think mm-hmm. I could get them to if if I if I just keep on loving it <laughs> the yeah. way that I love it. But, um, yeah. But then, but then but with that... To justify the opportunities that I'm getting, I want to be better. Like, if, if the community is going to be coming around me and, you know, people want to fly me to Europe multiple mm-hmm. times a year... Or, like I'm going to, I'm going to Europe and back, coming back three separate times in the next, and basically the next two month span. Uh, in in three days, I'll go to Pamplona, Spain. Mm-hmm. I'll come back on Monday, and then, uh, and then I'll do some stuff in my city. And then in April, no, in May, I'll be in Paris for a week, and then in June, I'll be in Berlin for a week. And that's a lot of money. That's a lot of resources both ways. Mm-hmm. You know. For me, I'm not saying that to be like, look at the things I'm doing. It's more like <laughs> people are investing their resources and their time in me, and I want to be worthy of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a Does that make sense? You. Yes, of course. Yeah, of, definitely, of yeah. course. You you want to make sure you're giving the most authentic and valuable authenticity of being in that position. Completely understand that. As having Tasha as like one of your mentors, what is has she vocalized what she thinks about you teaching? Yeah, absolutely. Tasha's never like discouraged me. I mean, I wouldn't teach house, uh, <laughs> like unless I had a go ahead there to teach something. But I doubt that's coming anytime soon. Like I, Tasha believes in my in my dancing. I think one of the things that she talked to me about uh, was that like there aren't many jazz dancers that can follow uh hip-hop wherever it goes so like the show sometimes will have a new jack swing thing sometimes will, f- will be more funk it kind of develops differently each time mm-hmm. she's like i need someone who i'm the guy i'm the lead and the guy who apart from her um that like primarily jazz is my thing there are other dancers that do jazz like shauna mm-hmm. real dope dancer real dope follow ray leads in jazz too but ray also pops and does like uh, like salsa and stuff, mm-hmm. and jazz is like the thing that I'm like obsessed about. So it's not that I'm better than them, but right now I think my mind is fresher on certain things because I'm just like eating it up all the time, and they have family responsibilities and things like that. So, uh, she's, I think she respects my artistry there, and then she respects my pursuit of other things. So you so, just said you just said the word respect twice from Latasha Barnes, who is one of the if you're the new generation, she's the middle generation of torchbearers. Right. And she you just said she respects you twice. And that was the word that you said you were looking for from other people in the community was respect. So you have it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have it. And I think the people you in the community believe in me. Yeah. I think the people in the community believe in me. I just... Don't believe it yourself. Yeah. 
yeah, I guess I, I don't necessarily believe it in all aspects yet for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And maybe so maybe that's the reason why I want to have one good one time where like I can I can authentically represent what this means to me and what I know. I can tell my story and tell my study like both at the same time. I think maybe if I did that one time in front of people, if I could just rip the bandaid off and get it right once, like, uh, what if there was no getting it right? What if there, what if getting it right was just an idea in your head that there's a right way to do it? Well, that would just destroy the the tunnel that I'm thinking (laughs) down. (laughs) Not try to destroy, not to try to destroy whatsoever, not try to destroy you. But there might not be the right way or the right moment. You just have to do it and have to trust yourself that whenever you do do it, it's going to be that authenticity that you want to give out. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's right. That's right on par. Tasha told me something when we were in New York. Well, she didn't tell me, but I felt like she was talking to me. She was talking to an <laughs> audience. Um. And uh, she was talking about something that her mentor shared with her, which is like, trust the music. Like, if you don't trust yourself, trust the music. And uh, like, trust me. Well, first of all, to get on the floor, trust me because I believe in you. So get out there. And when you're out there, trust the music and relax and let the music take you to where it, it wants to be. And if you're living in that space, you'll be good. And I had a moment at the end of the show, we do this thing called The Vibe, where a lot of people, we all just cipher, basically. And I remember there was a moment, I don't even remember everything that I did. It was probably, it was just the best part of that show, I think, and the most memorable part of that show for me that I've ever had. Because there was a moment where we were we were dancing and I was, I I went to a different place, I think. I was just like living in the soundscape. And... I, I ended up with my stomach on the floor. I kicked my leg up behind me and kind of glided up off the floor, you know, mm-hmm. and my weight's in front, like I'm on my toes and my weight's still forward. And I remember looking out at the audience, hearing the music behind me. And then instead of, you know, activating my back a little bit so I could go back onto my heels and, and stand up, mm-hmm. I began to let myself fall forward again. It happened really in slow motion. I experienced this moment in slow motion and it wasn't that the moment was really cool. Though people said it was cool. For me, it was like, there's a moment where my weight is forward. I don't, I legitimately don't know what I'm going to do next, but I remember just kind of hugging myself and feeling very at peace. Hmm. Like feeling like I was very much, you know, having just a normal day. I was going for a stroll. Like it just hmm. felt natural. I'm hugging myself I see my friends all around me on my peripheral. I'm looking out at an audience. I hear the drums. The musicians going crazy behind me. My homeboy Hurricane is like, he like looks at me like, yo, I see his eyes get big. And I kind of fall back down again. You know, I'm doing my thing. And uh, it was, it was that, that moment was memorable enough for some people that after the show, some folks in the audience came back and like talked about that specific moment. But like the experience of it for me was less about like technically what happened and more about I had this moment where I literally hugged myself and I didn't have a plan and I was comfortable. I didn't know what was coming next, but I was in my element. Mm-hmm. And I want to find that 
again. I want to find that in Lindy Hop. I want to be able to just go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Like what she talked about, I had, I had, I had, I had one experience I can think of where I know for sure that's what happened. It's like Nirvana. Yeah, it's it's like it's like that golden bliss moment that we that yoga practice the practitioners go for that moment of euphoria, bliss, Nirvana that you reach the pinnacle moment. But you know what happened? But you know how you got there? You didn't think about it. You let the music take you over. Right. Yeah. And it's so nice, man. Like being with them feels like being with my family sometimes. Mm-hmm. The jazz continuum. Yeah. Uh, at first, I was really self conscious. I think everybody is. I think, especially when new people come, they'd be trying to suss out, like, okay, what's happening here? <laughs> I know my first ever, they did it one time without me. Tasha wanted me the first time, but I said no because I didn't know what was going on. And I was dating somebody at the time that wasn't cool with me traveling and dancing so much. I was going to marry that person. But um, but when I hopped on the second time, I was like suspicious of the energy. Like everybody kind of seems friendly. I remember Tasha looking at me and saying, oh no, this is family. And by the end of that two weeks that we spent in residency together, I was like, yeah, y'all my family. Like it's true. And I can see it when other people come in because the cast is always changing. Mm-hmm. I can see people come in, be like a little off put. And by the end of it, we like, yo, my nigga, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, I don't know. Tasha does a great job of curating a space where you're just surrounded by brilliance, but there is very little ego. Mm-hmm. And so, people just really just be connecting and sharing and giving with each other. I'm surrounded by people that are way better movers than me. And they've never made me feel bad. Like, they, they're... I feel like I'm 10 times better when I'm with him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I can acknowledge their greatness. And I don't feel like it makes me small. I feel like I can level up. I feel like I can go to, like, Super Saiyan 3, 4 when I'm with them. Because because of the community, like, there's no there's no ego. So I don't feel like I need to compare and compete. It's just like, a, you're great. And I'm I'm kind of, I'm on your shoulder. Like, I'm right there on the wing. I got back door. Like, let's go, you know? Yeah. So, anyways, oh. yeah. No, but that's dope to have. That's what we look for in relationships is people to help support and elevate us, to help move us forward, to help enrich us, not to compete with us or bring us down or uh, limit our potential and growth. So the fact that you have a family like that, that you dance with is the ultimate I it's the ultimate you're 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 free when you're around them as you said you can oh. level up even more take it with you take take it and run with it with you mm. don't let that feeling escape you when you're not with them again they're that spirit uh, as we talk about the ancestors they're always with you they're always guiding they're always supporting they're the wings on your back that project you forward so try not to Try not to isolate that feeling in those moments when you only when you're with them. Keep it with you so that you that you can sustain yourself with that enrichment, that feeling of enrichment. The the feeling of calm 
and clarity, mm-hmm. I think. Like that, that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Like you can't, yeah. even if the you know ancestors is chilling, like if you're not listening, then what happens? And I've seen Tasha go to some crazy places and, you know, when she describes it, she'll be like, yeah, I feel like that was this mentor saying like, okay, my turn, let me get in, let me, let me, let me get something. <laughs> and then like this time, and, and it's like, she'd be so connected to the music and like, you can just tell when Tasha hits a flow state, bro, everybody's yeah. going to feel it. Yeah, Everybody in the room is going to feel it. And I think it really speaks to this clarity of mind that, and this peace of mind that she has when she's really living in her purpose and like moving, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah, that's just, I want more opportunities to do that. That's, that's, that is, that is the goal. That is the goal. And that's exactly what you're saying. But you get, I need practice. Like I need to, I need, I need opportunities to do it so that I can really grow familiar with it, you know? And those, and those opportunities come from just putting yourself in situations where they're not there. (laughs) You you put, you put yourself in that situation, you put, you, you put yourself in situations where you just have to do. That's what I mean. Like, just go for it. Allow yourself to be there. How did you how did you connect with Tasha, by the way? Man, I I had I I had known about Tasha basically from about the the, the third month that I had been dancing. Mm-hmm. I saw Tasha uh she danced. The first time that I saw Tasha dance was actually in this uh, video with Ladies of Hip Hop where they were dancing to Black by Buddy. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that was who she was. I just I just saw her in a compilation of really dope dancers. And then I saw her in Wendy Hop. And uh, there's, there's this festival in the States called the Great Southwest Lindy Fest or just Lindy Fest. Mm-hmm. And Tasha was dancing in the invitational level with Sky Humphreys, I think. This would have been 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh and that was really the the first time that I saw her dancing, and then I saw her dancing in like uh, some other some other competitions. But I people had mentioned that she had a strong foundation in hip hop, and so I went and or in house, and I went and I found uh, this podcast, and I listened to her podcast about like her journey, mm-hmm. and then from there I I started watching her house competitions, and I was like, yo, she's dope, I gotta reach out. And so I wanted to uh, do at ILHC, the International Indie Op Championships, my, the original reason for my reaching out to her, because she just added me on Facebook, you know, it's one of those things where like, there's only like five black folks in the Indie Op community in the States. There's way more of us there, but like at any given time, because of some of the stuff that, some of the bullshit that exists in the community, a lot of people go under mm-hmm. and they come back up. And so at this time there was like, I knew of Josh Joshua McLean, I knew of Tasha, and I knew of myself, and then my homie Phil and my homie Shelby, and there were. Uh, well, I guess I also knew Jamaica and them, but no, I might not have known of them yet. But I knew of maybe those five people in the community that were black. Um, anyways, I reached out to her basically and was like, "You got this background. I also have a background in other movement styles, and I would love to do a routine with you." They have this thing called the pro am. Mm-hmm. So professional dancing with an amateur. Yep. And so we had an, we had a goal of doing that, but it never materialized. And we met each other in person in Harang. And it was like no time at all before we was naturally. I mean, if you ask her, she'll tell you like, he asked me to be his mentor. He wanted this. 
<laughs> but I feel like I feel like in a way this it, our our convert I I maybe she'll also agree with this principally that it was ordained mm-hmm. like uh because there was no Tasha was already a big sister I call her auntie mm-hmm. but she was already lovingly kind of speaking truth into my life a couple days in very unfamiliar with each other and very lovingly already taking the role of like a very intimate role of speaking truth into my life and like speaking to me as though like, Hey, we're on the same journey. Like, you know, so, you know, get your shit together. So yeah, man, that's how we met. And, uh, later on, she was really excited, I think, to bring me alongside for the jazz continuum. And so she kept on messaging me about that project. And I feel like where we, where our relationship really began to develop was the first time that we, we really sat with each other in residency at the jazz continuum. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, she loves people. She loves community. She has an open heart. Uh, I mean, she got, she can bark and she can bite too, but she's a very <laughs> loving person. <laughs> Truth. She's a very loving person. And she, uh, like I said, I think her space is also reflective of her heart. Mm-hmm. So people, like, she invites, and create a space where people are like, you know what, yeah, we're gonna lead with empathy and open openness here, no ego, which is crazy to get a bunch of black men that are really good at stuff together, and there's no ego. Like, I'm not saying that to say that. Like, I'm I'm, I'm saying that the environment we grow up in, we often we have to improve ourselves. Mm-hmm. So especially when you're around other men, like the first thing you think, like like you start thinking about them in terms of competition, you know, because uh, that's you know sometimes that's the environment that we raised in. And we're not competing. That's not, it's not true. We're all brothers. But like, right. you know, masculinity, toxic masculinity and patriarchy and all that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, she created that space. And by the end of those two weeks that we had spent together, man, we had talked through so many things. Like I said, there was a person that I had been dating that I was thinking about marrying. And um, one thing that I'm in this space with all these other artists and everyone is speaking love into my life speaking truth into my life. And one thing that people had said, and I attribute this to Tasha as much as I attribute it to that person and mm-hmm. to this community is like, how do you expect, uh, how do you expect to be with someone? I, I can tell you love them. And, and I, I don't doubt that they love you, but what you love and actively tears them down and acquiescing to what they love would tear you down. So mm-hmm. what builds you up, tears them down. And what would build them up, tears you down. Mm-hmm. how was that healthy and i thought about it and that was really the comment that like put the nail in the in, in the coffin for me and we have been having some other relational issues um and so i uh, when we were done with the residency i broke up with her the next day mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah i i associate tasha with that loving sense of community and being around tasha gives me a sense that i am not just me but that I am a part of something a lot bigger, not just connected to my history, but even presently when, when we are moving together and when we are, when we are creating it together, musicians mm-hmm. and dancers alike, I have this idea maybe that like, I don't know, our spirits kind of become one, mm-hmm. not necessarily that we are one hive mind, but it's hard to know where your brilliance begins and another person's ends. Sometimes we'd have moments where it's like, did I do that because the musician was playing it? 
or did the musician play it because they saw me dance it? Mm-hmm. Did I do it because I saw you dance it? And like this, there's like the creativity kind of our creative energy really synthesizes into something beautiful. So I love Tasha for that, bringing me into that space. I was gonna say the uh, a house circle is the same because it's it's just built off of love and exchange. That there's no battle; it's just vibing and you get lost in exchanging in each other's passion feeling emotion whatever you want to call it and it's a safe and it's a safe loving space no matter what it's just the music takes you over the other person's movement takes you over you take you get to it's just there's just this wonderful weaving of growth and sustainability between everybody involved. So it's nice. It's with Tasha having that from house, I can see that coming into the collectum, like that being a basis for the vibe. It's just, but again, house is derived from jazz. So it's not too far off that it would make sense that it's there as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we, I, you feel it all throughout the show, even in the choreographic moments. The whole show is mostly improvised, but we do have choreographic sections. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, okay, a decent amount of the show is choreographed, but there's a lot of imp- improvography that colors transitions and different things. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, just like sharing, like, I'll be looking in my friend's eyes when we dance together, mm-hmm. you know? I'm not thinking about like the presentation of this for an audience. I'm thinking about living in this space with them. Nice. Even in the jazz section, I'm thinking about living in this space with them. I'm talking to Raina as I swing her out. I, we be having the funniest conversations too. I love messing with her because because uh, I can be confident that I'm a good lead and I'm a good partner for her. I know that I am. And uh, like, so we'll do a swing out and we have sections where there are fast swing outs and I'll swing her out, but I won't be holding her hand until the very last second to bring her back. Mm-hmm. So, so she'll just be flying out there and like, nigga, where's you at, bro? And then I'm there. <laughs> and we'll be swinging out and she'll look at me like, nigga, like what, what, why are you, why do you do this to me, bro? Like, you know, or when we, we hit our circles, you know, I'll be running around her and the momentum. I know how to, how to anchor her up so that her feet kind of come off the ground a little bit. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun, bro. It, it just be, I'd be having so much fun. We'd be talking shit to each other. We'd be laughing. <laughs> that's beauty. Oh, man. That's beauty. Community, man. That's yeah. the, that's the reason why I feel like that's like, if, if dancing can be compared to sex, that's like the orgasmic moment everybody's chasing. Yeah. Like that sense of like, I am here, bro. We are all together. And we all feel this shit. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful it thing. I could I could talk about it forever, but yeah. And that's why we go. That's why we want it more. That's why we want more of it. That's why we try and not recreate those moments. But you know, we're about to do this again, and you just get a euphoric high just knowing that you're about to re. It's, again, it's like sex. It's like ooh, we about to get it all. <laughs> like let's do this. We doing it. We doing it. We what? doing this. We're doing it, especially when your people come together and you don't see them for a while. You're like, oh, y'all don't know what's about to happen. 
Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, that'd yeah. be good. <laughs> what got you out there in Sweden? Um, I hated Los Angeles. <sighs> I, I hate the idea of Los Angeles too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I lived, I lived in LA for almost seven years. I was working a lot. It was a great time uh, working wise, but I just wasn't uh, fulfilled soulfully. I literally felt a piece of my soul dying slowly every day I lived there. And every time I wanted to leave, I booked another job. And when I wasn't working, I was waiting for the money to come in. So it was a vicious cycle. Right. At that time, I'm glad I went. I'm glad I lived there. Uh, I've made some amazing connections. Uh, my life would not be the same had I not gone there. But I'm also very happy that I got out. Um, I had no job, no apartment when I moved here. And I've this September will be 14 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Do you speak Svenska? I will never tell. I understand. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it keeps people it. on their toes, but they can't say around me. I love that. So, no, I love that. So with that, have you have you never been to the Stockholm Tap Festival? I've never been, but I, you know, I've been watching stories from a lot. There are a lot of dancers there. So like Gustav is there right now. I know Lai yeah. is there. His partner. I know that uh, Alice is there. I saw he had an open styles battle, apparently. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of really cool stuff there, but I've never been. No. Bruh, it is one of the best festivals I've ever been to. Hands down. It is so dope. There are so many people. There are so many people there. And it's not just tap. It's the tap. It's like the tap and jazz festival, but they call it the tap festival. And that all styles battle, I saw a tapper beat everybody a couple years ago. Beat breakers beat like it was it's literally an all styles battle like you dance the music happens you dance and this tap dancer smoked people bro it was the dopest shit i've ever saw you think today televise it no it well all? in the past they, they haven't bro. i'm not sure if they do now but you just got to get your ass over to sweden again and not in honey yeah you were this close yeah. you might as well be here you know, I got mad homies in Sweden that be saying the same thing. All my homies in Europe be saying the same thing. Why don't you just move here? Blah, 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 blah. But then again, everybody that's everywhere that I go says, why don't you just move here? <laughs> in Seattle, you think you can move here? In New York, bro, why aren't you in New York? You got, you like, get the bag. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> in Europe, why don't you just uh, move to Europe, Idrick? Okay. Without moving here, just get your ass back here sooner than later. How about that? Hey, I'm coming on Thursday. No, well, you're going to Ger you're going to Germany on Thursday. No, Paloma, Spain. you're going to Spain on Thursday. Then you're going yeah. to then you're going to France and then you're going to Germany. Still not Sweden. <laughs> My homie Nicoletta. <laughs> if Nicoletta saw this, she she would be very happy. I do need to get back to Stockholm. I enjoy the city quite a bit and I love the community there. Stockholm was one of my favorite places to go in Europe. I would say it's like number two favorite place to be in Europe. Nice. So I definitely, I definitely need to get back. Though I've only ever been there in the summer. I'm not trying to, or in the spring. I'm not trying to go in the winter. Y'all got me messed up. No. You live in Ohio. It. It's not, it's not different. But the sun comes out in Ohio when it's summer. <laughs> yeah, it's so not just like, you know, wow. 40 days a night. We we don't have that. We're, we don't live at the North Pole. We we have sunlight during the winter. Don't we know? I've lived here for 14 years. I don't lie. I only speak truths. Okay. I believe you. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. But actually, that's a question I forgot to ask. How did you get to Columbus, Ohio? 
yeah, it was my parents' uh, divorce, right? Like, senior year of high school was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I I think I was burdened with an emotional and, like, philosophical curiosity about the world that had me asking questions that a lot of people don't when they're eight years old. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the meaning of life? Or like when you're nine years old, you're thinking like, oh, one day I'm going to die. One day everybody that I know is going to die. One day my mom's going to die. What's that going to be like? How will I process that? How will I deal with that? You know? And in the light of however I come to the answer to those questions, what makes anything that I do worth it? Mm. And like living with that kind of stuff when you're eight, nine, and then in high school is really hard. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of potential and I had teachers constantly trying to speak love into my life and say like, yo, you need to, you need to work harder. You're very intelligent, but if you don't work hard, you will go nowhere. And, uh, I might, I just really wrestle with the why, what's the Mm. point. And so I didn't do, I didn't do a great job in school despite taking, I did, I, I strategically did just enough to pass. Like I strategically made it so that like I I did way, way more work maybe trying to do the math to figure out what's the minimum amount of work that I can do. <laughs> but I, w- I would go to class. I would participate in discussions. Like I loved it. I just didn't care to work super hard because I was friends with all the really smart kids. And all they would do is the, first of all, they'd be mad at each other. If one of them passed them in the rankings, you know, that'd be, that'd be drama. <laughs> but then they talk about all he could talk about was going to school and getting a good job so they can make a lot of money. And I'm like, see, I'm already at the making a lot of money point. And I'm thinking, why? That's not gonna make me happy. What's the point? So mm. what I do, I got to do now. Um, so I didn't have any prospects for my future. And I think I was dealing with some depression. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a pretty hard childhood. Growing up as the oldest in a really big family. My parents loved me and they did a lot of things right. Uh, but they were young and they also made a lot of mistakes. And as many humans do, as everybody does. And uh, mistakes that at this point in my life, I just felt like, I didn't have options. I felt trapped. So when my parents split up, I felt like I just didn't have anything for me. Like I had no prospects. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And around this time, I was really wrestling with like, do I even really want to be alive? You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I hit on my auntie because she stayed in Columbus, Ohio. My, my biological father's, his sister. Mm-hmm. And her husband at the time, and uh, they invited me out. The plan was always, Tydrick, if you can do really well, then we'll take you out on a cruise. Because they had money, money. Because he's an osteopathic DO and she's a financial advisor. Nationwide. Uh, and I was like, guys, instead of me doing a cruise, can I just go and live with you guys for a while? I'll go to this school. I, I set up a whole plan. I'll go to this school. I'll, I'll be studying this. Like, can I just live with you for a little bit? And my auntie, I think, knew the situation that I was coming out of and maybe saw where I was mentally and emotionally. We're very similar. I think we think a lot alike. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was trying to help me out of that. Despite also having problems, you know, going on in her own life. Mm-hmm. So she brought me up into Columbus. And uh, here is where I think I kind of came into my age or I, I grew into myself. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sorry if we got heavy. That's just you know, no. Truth. It's, there's, there's, no, that's part of life. We can't. It can't always be rainbows and roses. You gotta. Yeah. 
And th- and that's and that's also why I have these conversations so people can hear that you know through through struggle comes life. You know, yeah. it's, we we aren't our past, but we are developed from it. We, however, we deal with those situations predicates how we survive, how we live. No facts, facts, and you know. The thing that I could never get around, I knew what I wanted to be when I was younger. The only thing that I really wanted for my life was to be a good person. Mm-hmm. As I'd grown up with my dad, who was my stepdad, but he's my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, we would watch anime. You got these heroes, you know, mm-hmm. fighting and they go really hard for their friends. And we'd watch these, you know, kung fu films. And, and uh, like, he'd tell me these stories about heroes. And he was somebody who I think really wanted to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be a good person. And so now where I've come into, I think my faith, this helps me a lot. Obviously, you know, I grew up in the church, mm-hmm. helping, helping me kind of address some of these bigger questions that were tormenting me at the time. But a way, a principle that I hold with me that I think anyone, regardless of your faith or where you're at in life, can take on is like, I, I found meaning in living for more than me. Like, yes, there's time to focus on yourself and to heal yourself, especially when you realize that you are in a deficit. But a self-obsessed life is a life of bondage. Mm-hmm. And uh, you really can, I think, fully be who you are in the context of community. You can fully find out what life is for you when you begin to try to focus on others. You know, And that's a principle for me that I think is really, it's helped me a lot in, uh, in not just my faith, but just in general, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're much, and you're much richer non-monetarily. Your, your life is enriched a thousand fold more than anybody who can make a thousand million dollars because you're a good person. Life happens for yeah. you. Yeah. I think it's part of the reason why I'm getting the opportunities that I am. I think sometimes people just like me. Mm-hmm. Like I hike, think that's what it is. It's not necessarily that I've earned my way into the spaces that I'm in whatever that means, but it's like, maybe people like me. And it's not that I'm living my life to be liked by people, but that is affirmation that the person that I'm trying to be, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere approximately heading in the right direction, mm-hmm. you know? Because I want to be that person regardless of how people respond to me. But I think in part, people sense that I don't, like I don't want to be a big deal I want to love myself. I want to love other people. I want to do what I like really well. And that's just about it. Like I said at the beginning of this, it's like we're split. Even though I'm slightly older than you, it's like we're split from the same soul. Talking, talking. I'm talking to myself right now. (laughs) I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking with a few years younger than me, me. It's great. I believe it, man. (laughs) What do you like? Do you feel like your time in LA was existential at all or do you feel like mostly it was just my 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 interpretation is that it's just like it's the same thing that happened in harlem white it's capitalism Mm -hmm. has a huge hold on things that are naturally culturally expressive Mm -hmm. and uh and so you know people live in that world you got to compete for the gig you know and so but then because of that like some of the soul and the community gets lost and is replaced sometimes actively with manipulation abuse and so forth and so on. And so, 
I don't know. That's like my read on it, which is why I never liked LA. You know, I don't. I, I, I don't have anybody that's gone there and come back and been like, "I love it there. I want to stay there in my life." Mm, I definitely didn't want to stay there for the rest of my life, and I str- I go back uh, whenever I go home. Uh, my godmother lives there. I've got a bunch. I did. I was lucky enough to have a community of family and friends built there that uh, were authentic and trustworthy and. Uh, supported and helped me grow to be the person I am today. But mm-hmm. for the industry wise, for the industry, as you, as you said, I, I've never wanted to be, I have never in my life wanted to be famous. I've never wanted to be a big deal. I've always ever done things that I want to do because I want to do them. Yeah. And luckily I was able to maintain that for myself being in Los Angeles, but I've seen a lot of people get sucked into the manipulation as you said like the mentality of this is what you have to do and i'm like nah bro i'm just i'm here doing my thing yeah i did it i enjoyed it could i have done more yes but would i have been happy probably not which is why i left which is why i never i lived there for almost seven years i never once said i was home i always said i was temporarily residing yeah i never said i lit i never said i was home in la so yeah. Yeah. But again, wouldn't ch- would I do it again? Yes. Because hmm. because I've gained so many experiences and people in my life that I never would have had. Mm. That also helped me with what I'm doing now. They've also put me on this path to what I'm doing now. That's part of the reason why I have this this uh podcast is because of the people that I met. And the inspiration that they gave me and the stories that I know that need to be told to other people that will never get out there. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Speaking of Los Angeles, speaking of experiences, my last name's Gamble. There's one more sequence I want to do with you. My last name's Gamble. I like to play on that. So what I did is... I bought a roulette table with 16 shot glasses. Each shot glass is numbered and it correlates to a question. We spin the magic roulette wheel. We ask you a question. You answer it. You game? Let's do it. It's nothing invasive. It's nothing uh, shady or anything like that. It's just fun stuff. I'm ready. Magic roulette ball. We spin it round and round and round and round and round. Number 19. What's your worst international experience? Okay. My worst international... Oh, my gosh, bro. <laughs> lost my luggage for like three months. What? Yes. Yes. And they didn't even mail it to me. I was back in the States. I had to. I, luckily, I was in New York for ILHC, but I spent like $30 getting out to JFK. I, I went twice... To try to get them to bring me my luggage, like, it's the worst. Wait, they wait, lost wait. it over there, and then when they brought it here, they lost it again, and they wouldn't even mail it to me. The worst. Also, coming into the states is terrible. Like, yeah. If you don't have, if you don't have, uh, uh, what is it, global passport or whatever they call it now, you'd be in lines for hours, and you'll miss flights even if you have a layover of two and a half or three hours, like. 
And I shouldn't have to pay somebody 80 or 90 or however much it costs and get interviewed. It's basically like getting a visa to come back into my own country. Why am I, as a foreigner, getting into Europe in like Easy. 15, 20 minutes, come right. back into my own country? Well, it doesn't make no sense. So, yeah, those two experiences are terrible. Bro, how the hell did they lose your spirit? Where were you coming from? What airline was this? And why did you have to fly to New York to get your shit back? So, okay, okay. So it was EasyJet. And uh, I went from Berlin to Paris to work in Paris. Luckily, I had two bags. But I lost the one bag that all my stuff in it, all my all the stuff that I wanted, all my good fancy stuff. Uh, and so I don't know what happened. When I got to Paris, my bag wasn't there. And uh, EasyJet, because it's a budget airline, which I didn't know at the time, really terrible airline. I didn't know this at the time. But they, like, have a really shitty customer service protocol. And because it's in Spain, like, uh, it's in France, I was dealing with, like, a lot of folks who... French France doesn't have a lot of strong English speakers. Yeah. So people were... And then maybe customer service isn't that helpful. People were very store with me and i try my best even when i'm frustrated to be respectful because everybody has hard days i'm not i'm not mm. about to i'm not trying to make it i'm not going to be disrespectful to you but like it was extremely frustrating i didn't yell at anybody or anything like that i just was getting lip constantly for things out of my control for, for asking people to repeat things because i didn't understand obviously the phone's going to change stuff up too and yeah, I had to wait a super long time for them to find my bag, to locate my bag, and then try to get it to me. And then EasyJet said, we don't have any partnerships with any delivery services in, in America. So we'll send it to America, but we'll send it to New York. But from there, you have to get it. And luckily, I was going to be in New York for ILHC. So I flew to New York for the event, and I found my way to JFK to get the bag. It was like, did they it was terrible. Did they compensate you at all for losing your luggage? No, they didn't. They didn't. What? And I put in like several, I put in several requests. That's what I'm saying. The customer service sucks. If y'all are watching this, I mean, Europeans obviously know, don't use EasyJet. But like, if you're an American, bro, don't use EasyJet. Don't do it. It is not worth it. It is not worth it. On my flight from Berlin to, to, uh, to Paris, I like went to get get on and they were like, oh, sorry, sir, you don't have a seat yet. And I was like, what do you mean I have a seat? I paid $400 for a ticket. Like, what do you mean I don't have a seat? Y'all have my money. I don't want to not have a seat on the plane. I had to wait for everybody else to board and they assigned me a seat, lost my bag. It was, it was a hard experience. Luckily, I had some friends in Paris uh, that were like really helpful. But then I, I spent like a month there because I was also stuck there while I was waiting to fly back uh, to the States. There's a, some trouble with an organizer and a booking agency, basically. But I was taking advantage of it and seeing Europe. And, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time uh, couch surfing, which was not m my funnest experience. Like, not having a home that you can really lay your head in. But, you know, it is what it is. And you're going back to Paris in May. I am. I am. Wow. But luckily, um, everything will be figured out. Well, for that, I believe. I was just about to, I hope it's not the same arranger and booking agency and you will not be on the flight with EasyJet. Me too. That was trash. That wow. was terrible. I hated everything oh, that. Damn, I've, I've had luggage lost, but never for three freaking months and internationally where they won't return my shit to, woo! 
See, YouTube nice. Places like I would have found, l- listen, I would have went to the call center. I would have went to the, cus- listen, people, uh, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. At a certain point, I need my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Okay. We're going to leave that one there. <laughs> that is a wow. Uh, so if people want to find out more about Mr. Tydrick Hill and or follow his adventures in uh, jazz dance and finding his pinnacle and his uh, dancing, where can they find him? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I share mostly on Instagram and on TikTok. What's your Instagram? Uh, my name is Tydrick underscore Hill. T-Y-E-D-R-I-C underscore Hill, H-I-L-L. Yep. What's your TikTok? Same thing. Tydrick underscore Hill. Yep. Dope. And if you're not doing already, make sure you're following at Gamble's Green Room on Instagram to stay up to date of all of my guests, as well as some behind the scenes of what they're doing inside video clips and some behind the scenes of what we talk about here in the last and stuff that we have. Dude, Mr. Hill. Little bruh, you're a little bruh now. Yeah, this this was fun. This was fun. Uh, it was, man. Thanks for having me. This this was like talking to myself. It was so 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 many correlations in our story. So many, so many just moments. Again, I could speak. I I could ask questions from experience of hmm, been there. I know what that feels like. Looking forward to seeing you grow, man. Looking forward to seeing you expand. Looking forward to seeing you come over to Sweden. Uh, get some teaching done here. Get some vibing done here. Get some hangouts hey. done here. You hey. also need to come for Hip Hop Weekend in Malmo. Okay, yeah. It's uh, breaking, breaking House and Breaking House Locking and Hip Hop competition oh sick yeah. yeah bro i'm i'm down yeah oh that sounds fire i'll I'll talk to my friends and make it happen you get your order yeah. it's always it's always the last week of october first week of november i think that can work we'll make it work I yeah, yeah i don't think that i have <laughs> i don't think that i have anything that time yeah all right Hill. boom all right man boom diggity boom Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Keep rocking. Keep rolling. Doing your thing, man. And you too, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks for talking again. Thanks for wanting to do it. We we will talk again. We'll make it happen. (laughs) And make sure you trust in yourself. Believe. Oh, by the way, I didn't even mention that. He has a PBS special. I'll 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 link to that in the uh, Instagram account. So, bro, you did an entire PBS clip of dancing in cities and like the cities that we need to watch, bro. Trusting yourself that you're you're authenticized, you're respected, you're there. (laughs) That's true. I hear you. Wow, this is what we needed. Yeah. Much love, bro. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. This, this.